thank you, Luke. I think you can say our campus um, in Modbury. Yeah, absolutely. We're all part of the family. Hey, December 4 is going to be a big Sunday, and um, Pastor David and Donna will be here. Um, I'm going to make the trip up with my family. Uh, we're going to have um, we're going to have bouncy castles. We're going to have a petting zoo. We're gonna, no, I don't know what we're going to have. Um, I'm just looking at Naomi and watching her sweat. Like, what are we doing? <laughs> it's going to be a celebration because what it is, it's about a celebration of everything that's been. You know, this is an amazing church, and Pastor Gary and Jane and Pastor Keith and Wendy have led this phenomenally. Um, as we move into a new season, as we become right revival city church, Mount Barker, we don't. Do it just because we want to rebadge or just because we feel like it's time for a name change. But we do it because we genuinely believe that we're entering into a new season of revival. Um, a new season where we're going to see people walk in uh, from, the, from the highways and the byways, where you're going to be able to have conversations in your workplace and, and see people wander the kingdom of heaven. We genuinely believe that we're better together, that we're able to partner together and to achieve more together than we can on our own and um, and it's going to be a big day, December 4. It's going to be amazing. Um, the next few weeks, why don't you keep Pastor Gary and Jane in your prayers. Pray that God blesses them. Pray that God um, sows into them uh, their vision for the next season for them and for this church as well. And uh, over the next few weeks, you're, you're stuck with me. So um, while Pastor Gary and Jane are away, I'll be up over the next few weeks. So um, we'll see how that is after the three weeks. Uh, there's a cheer at the moment. Um, but it's going to be great. I'm looking forward to being here. Sarah was going to be here, my wife, um, and Amelia, our daughter. But Amelia had other plans at 4 a.m. Uh, this morning. Woke up vomiting, so um, so um, she's at home and uh, probably not sleeping. Probably um, annoying Sarah, but you know that's what kids do. <laughs> so uh, so Sarah's at home with Amelia today, but um, she'd love to be here if she could. Um, but next week, hey, hey, what a great morning in church. I'm so glad I could be here. Hayley, you were amazing this morning. You're beautiful. And the Phil, the Phil and family. Emily, you guys are awesome. And, uh, and uh, I'm looking forward to seeing what God does this morning. Why don't we open our Bibles to the book of John? If you brought it with you, John chapter 15. If you are new here this morning... Um, I would love to meet you. I'm still getting to know everyone, so whether you're new or you may not be new, but I just don't know who you are. I'll be out under the portico, laid out under the veranda. What do we call that? The veranda? The, the veranda? It's very Australian. Uh, under the veranda, shooing away flies. I'd love to meet you. Why don't you come say hello um, and uh, introduce yourself and we can have a chat. I'd love to meet you. Um, the rest of the team will be floating around. Don't just slip off, but make sure you say day to someone. John chapter 15. Starting in verse 1, here we go. I am the true grapevine and my father is the gardener. This is Jesus talking and he's talking to his disciples and he says, he cuts off every branch of mine that doesn't produce fruit and he prunes the branches that do bear fruit so they'll produce even more. You have already been pruned and purified by the message I've given you. Remain in me and I will remain in you. For a branch cannot produce fruit if it is severed from the vine. And you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. Yes, I am the vine, you are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. 
So if you can picture Jesus' life and um, where, where we're at in the timeline of that. Um, so Jesus is right at the pointy end of his ministry and his career. He's entered Jerusalem and they've had Palm Sunday. They've waved the palms and they've um, welcomed him. Um, and he's just had the Last Supper. And as they're leaving and Jesus is, is leaving and they go to uh, walk out of that upper room after they've had the supper, Judas has scurried off to do what he needs to do. Um, they're about to cross, cross over to the Garden of Gethsemane and they have what's called the farewell discourse. That's what scholars call it. It's this passage of scriptures where Jesus kind of gives his last few words, his last few things that he wants to say. So um, he says a lot of things in there about end times, but he says this in the middle of all of it, that, that I am the vine and you are the branches. Remain in me. It's an amazing thing that Jesus would say because the reality of what the disciples were about to go through, they'll be hurt, they'll be pained, they'll be ostracised, they'll be persecuted. And in all of that, Jesus is saying this is the last thing to them for them to remember that they need to remain in him. See, Jesus is the vine and we are the branches. The purpose of the branch is to have fruit, to bear fruit. Uh, the, the branch, its entire life, its entire journey, the entire reason that it exists is to bear fruit. I don't know about you, but I've never seen a branch that's half hanging on the vine and half off ever bear fruit. You know, for a branch to be healthy, it needs to be completely and wholly connected to the vine. And the same with us, you know, we, we, we are called to bear fruit in our lives. We're called to bear peace and joy and love. We're called to bear fruits of prosperity and blessing. We're called to walk in favour. And God wants these things in our lives, but we can't do them. And we can't bear these fruits unless we're wholly connected to the vine. You know, the, I see as we go into this next season of post-COVID or whatever it is, I can see a revival coming. I can see a revival coming where souls will be saved, where schools will have prayer again uh, and students will be leading that. We'll see um, universities open to Bible studies. We'll see a, a revival coming where sons and daughters that you've been praying for will come home. But it's not a, a revival that I see that's led by the evangelist. I mean, I don't want to discount the office of the evangelist, but I see a revival coming through you and through me. It's that when you walk and you're bearing fruit and you walk into a room and, and when you walk in and you're a carrier of peace, that peace then is the ultimate thing that transcends that room. You see, when you bear fruit, people come to you and they uh, metaphorically are eating of the fruit of your life. So if someone was to see you, that you that, what, would they, what would the fruit be that they would get from your life? You know, one of the things I'd love is that when I walk into a room, that, that the atmosphere changes, that people sense peace, that people sense safety, that they sense a level of joy, that they sense a level of God's presence. You know, this is what we're called to do. We're called to walk in it. You know, when you give someone uh, an apple um, and they bite it, they bite into an apple. You know, a, a, a fruit is what it is. You can't trick someone and you can't, you know, walk around and saying, these are the fruits in my life here. You know, if I gave you a, a banana and said, here, eat of this apple, you'd look at me like I was a loony. We can't walk around saying that we walk in peace and we walk in love and, we, and, and there's a trail of destruction or there's a, a trail of chaos behind us. 
People can tell the fruit when they eat of the fruit. And when they talk to us, when they interact with us, and Jesus is calling us to be remaining in him so that we bear fruit. You know, to remain is to be holy and continuously connected. You know, a branch can't be half on, half off. You know, we put our bins out on the verge uh, every Wednesday morning, sometimes Tuesday night because the guy comes for the recyclables at 6 a.m., and uh, we've got this jacaranda tree out the front of our house. And I put the bins under the, underneath the jacaranda tree. And the, the garbage man came and he <clears throat> lifts the bin up. And he knocks this like massive fat branch. And it breaks and it falls to the ground. But it's still half connected to the tree, right? So it's just sitting there. And I called the council. And I said, can you come and take care of this? And it took him a couple of weeks to come around. And by the time they came around, that branch was dead. You know, the reason the branch died wasn't, it was connected to the tree, but it wasn't wholly and continuously connected to the tree. You see, God's calling us to be wholly and continuously connected. For the Christian, that means allowing God into every area of our life, not just our prayer life and not just our church attendance, but in our workplace, in our private time, in our quiet time, uh, in every area of our life, whatever room that we walk into, it's about bringing God into that. It's in our thought life, in our finances, and can I say even maybe in our browser history, God wants to be in every area of our life. It's not just enough to be connected to God on a Sunday. It's not enough to just be connected to God when we maybe put on a Bethel album as we're on our way to work and think that's my dose for today. You know, we're called to be holy and continuously connected to the vine. We're called to bring an atmosphere of peace and joy and love and bring that fruit into every room that we walk into. I think the world has seen enough of Christians who say one thing on a Sunday, but they do another thing on a Monday. We're called to be holy and continuously connected to the vine. You know, I could, as growing up in, in, in Sejuna, where in, on the West Coast, I was part of the uh, football club there, the Sejuna Football Club, and uh, three-time premiership player, under-16s, best team man, 1996. Um, <laughs> I'll be signing autographs afterwards. Uh, um, and, uh, you know, I played football because I, I had a bunch of friends that played football. Um, really, I played because I knew that the footy club served the best palmies in town. Um, and so, you know, after you've been at footy, you can go get a palmy and, and no one will judge you because you've been playing football. Um, but I couldn't very well go around saying that I want to be an AFL player. You know, I couldn't be there saying, oh, I'm going to be the next Tony Modra or I'm going to be the next, I don't know, uh, Andrew McLeod because my lifestyle was something different. You know, on Saturdays I was there playing footy, but, um, uh, you know, Monday through Sunday through Friday... I was living like a football player. If you look at an AFL football player, their life is wholly and, and dictated by the career that they've chosen. You know, they train every day. They're at the gym every day. Their diet is monitored. Their heart is monitored. Their lung capacity is monitored. Every time they uh, play a game, they wear a tracking device that tracks all their vital statistics. If you want to be an AFL player or play at a top tier of any sport, you've got to be wholly and continuously connected to that sport. It's not just training on a Tuesday and a Thursday, which, you know, I'd do maybe Tuesday or Thursday, um, whichever night the palmies were on. 
You know, it wasn't just enough to come and just to sit on the bench. If you want to be an AFL player, you've got to be holy and continuously connected to the sport. If I want to be a Christian, if I want to walk in the things that God's called for me, if I want to walk in all the fruit that God has for my life, I need to be holy and continuously connected to the vine. In every day, in every area of our life. And you know, so often we want the much fruit, but we forget the remain in me part. You know, we want the much fruit. I want to be able to walk in peace. I want to walk in God's supernatural power. I want to be able to pray for people and see their blind eyes open and see people saved and wonder the kingdom of heaven. I will, you know, we've got to do the remain in me bit. Yeah, we can't have one without the other. They're both are connected. A plus B equals C. Math is obviously my strong point. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. You know, if you're disconnected from the vine, if you're half in, half out, you won't have the much fruit. We can't have the fruit without the remaining. You know, so often we remain everywhere, but we don't remain in Christ. And this morning I want to look at six things that we remain in that bear no fruit. Uh, Time permitting. We'll see how we go if we get through all six. Number one, if you've got a notebook, if you're taking notes, hurts from the past. One thing that we remain in that doesn't bear fruit, that isn't in Christ, is hurts from the past. You know, I went to a funeral recently of a, 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 a man, he was 98, and um, I was talking to one of his uh, family members, and I said to her, I said, how, how are you feeling? How are you, you know, I was just checking in, how are you feeling, how are you doing? And she goes, oh... Yeah, I'm okay. I guess I wasn't as close to him. I said, oh, why is that? And, and she just started reflecting and said, oh, well, actually, as I'm thinking about it, 30 years ago, um, we, I came home. Uh, he was at our house. We came home and, and something had happened and he just went me. He tore strips off me. He um, tore me down and for 15 minutes he just berated me. And I was like, oh, man, that is, that is, that's awful. Like, I'd, I'm sorry that you had to go through that. Um, but the thing is, it was completely out of character for this guy. Like, it's not normal. This isn't normal behavior for this man. And what happened is, I don't know what had happened on that day, but something had obviously pushed him to react in that way. And he'd gone on and forgotten about it. But this interaction had left a deep scar on this woman's life. And so for the next 30 years, it stopped her from... Um, from relating to him or building relationship with him for an encounter that was completely out of character. But also it, it, it stunted her own growth as well, her own relationships with other people. Because how can I trust? You know, there was this hurt from the past that had been holding her back for the last 30 years. You know, when, you know, my dad was young, <clears throat> when my dad was young, he um, he had a, broken nose right and so when you know in the 50s and 60s if you go to the doctor the doctor would just say oh, come on over here and you know <clears throat> bring that nose back into alignment you know it wasn't a very um, methodical way of bringing and fixing broken bones um, so they brought the nose back into alignment and it healed uh, and, it, and, and the pain went away and, and everything sort of went on and he thought well my nose isn't hurting anymore after a couple of weeks and, but the thing is it, it kind of bent it and he didn't breathe properly, and my dad snored, and you know, like, he still snores. Um, 
You could probably hear him at night from Sejuna if you incline your ear to the west. See, the thing about that nose is the doctor healed it, but it wasn't whole. You know, if you broke your arm and, and you didn't get it set properly, you'd see a big lump where the bone was still malformed. You know, the pain may have gone away, but it's not healed and whole. So often in our life, we have hurts from the past and the pain has gone away, but you're not healed and whole. You know, sometimes we live in hurts from the past and the pain may have gone, but it's affected us and it's stunted us and it's stopped us from growing and becoming the person that God's called us to be. You know, Jesus says, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. You know, sometimes the hurts from the past, they may look like a big lump in our arm where the bone has repaired itself. There's no more pain, but you don't have full function of the arm. Sometimes God just says to us, it's time to bring that hurt from the past to us. It's unforgiveness. It's, it's bitterness. It's, a, it's something that you don't even know is there sometimes. You know, sometimes you might, like when I talked to this lady, I said, why do you feel like you're not as close? And when you put your finger on it, she goes, oh, actually, now that I stop and think about it, it probably goes back to this. You know, sometimes it's not until we stop and we allow God to inspect our heart and to do an operation on us in that way that he begins to heal our broken heart and to bind up our wounds. Fixing a broken arm that's not mended properly is, is a pretty painful process. You know, they've got to re-break it, reset it, to bring it back into alignment. But the problem is if you don't do that, you'll never have a fully functioning arm. But breaking it and resetting it and going through the pain of getting that healed correctly means that you have a fully functioning arm that you can use uh, for all that you need to do. You know, sometimes it looks like pain to uncover an old wound. Sometimes it looks like a bit of hurt. But God wants you to be not just healed, he wants you to be whole. And there are people that can walk alongside you and they can journey with you. you there's, there's pastors in this church that love you and they care for you. There's professional counsellors that can help you and journey with you as you go to a place of not just no pain, but of wholeness. Six things that we remain in. Number one, hurts from the past. Trust God with your hurts. God wants you to be healed and whole and he'll look after you. He's got you. He's the one that will give you that, that. He's the one that will take away the weariness, the heavy laden, and he's the one that will give you rest. Amen? Six things that we remain in that bear no fruit. Hurts from the past. Secondly, religion. You know, we look at religion as sometimes it's that, that traditional church down the road, you know, that one that has... Uh, their numbers up on the, um, you know, they put their numbers in on, on the board and they sing the hymns and the old songs. And, you know, the reality is that when we walk into a room like this and we think of religion, we think, no, we're free. We're Pentecostals, right? We're the, we're the free ones. You know, we, we're the ones that speak in tongues. So we're holy. But the reality is that we have as much religion in us as they do. We all have religion in our heart. We all have our personal preferences and our personal styles. You know, I remember I used to work for schools ministry group and I'd visit a lot of churches, especially in country areas. And I was on the Air Peninsula and I was visiting this tiny country church. It literally had five old ladies in it. And it was a church that would have seated maybe 50 people. And I walk in and I said hello to a lady and I was there to, just to share briefly. And I sat down in someone's seat, sat down in, in, in you know, on the second row, probably about where Pastor Wendy is. 
And, uh, and a, a lady came up to me and she said, oh, you're in Beryl's seat. And I said, oh, I'm, there, was no, there was nothing here. I'm so sorry. And I looked around. I said, where's Beryl? Is she coming? She goes, oh, no, she passed away five years ago. <laughs> you know, religion isn't just smoke and mirrors. Religion is the preferences that we hold dearly in our heart. You know, we think that we play keyboard in a certain way or we do our lights in a certain way, the temperature, the lighting, it's, the, it's all of this stuff that we think needs to happen in order for the presence of God to come. You know, it's, it's the stuff that we put in place in order to tell God, okay, it's time for you to come now. We've, we've done everything. You know, religion is the thing that we get stuck in and it's our personal preference, right? Like I think about my house. I have a house of, um, there's four of us, three girls and, and me. Um, so we have the, you know, we, it's the toilet seat up or down situation. Who has that in their house? You know, you've got a family, the toilet seat up or down. You know, uh, in my house, my preference is that the toilet seat is up. But the reality is, is it's down because I sacrificed my preference so that my family can have what they need. What we do is we come to church and we sacrifice our preference so that others can encounter the presence of God. You know, whatever our preference is, and sometimes it could be our seat location or sometimes it could be our parking spot or whatever the favorite song that we sing or the way that we do this, the reality is we need to hold all of it with a loose hand because it doesn't matter at the end of the day. It doesn't matter because what happens if someone walks in from this community, they don't know anything about the presence of God, they don't know anything about Jesus, but they walk in and the first interaction they have is us saying, oh, you're in my seat. It's not about our seat, it's not about our style, it's not about our coffee preference, it's about seeing someone one to the kingdom of heaven. I will do all things short of sin to win one person to the kingdom of heaven. Our personal preference is good and we need to know it and we need to have it. But sometimes we've got to hold it with a loose hand. You know, we have our preferences in people. We have our preferences in church. You know, we see people coming and, oh, that's not our type of people. You know, they've got tattoos or they look a bit different to us or they are horrible singers in my case. You know, whatever it is. But when we walk through the doors of this church, there's neither Jew nor Greek, nor male nor female. We're all one under the presence of God and and this place is the safest place for anyone to be able to come. No matter your walk, no matter your background, no matter your journey, this is a place where you can walk in in safety, in peace and encounter the presence of God. Do you believe it this morning, church? Six things that we remain in that bear no fruit, hurts from the past, religion and thirdly, low self-esteem. Now, I remember as a boy... um, we would do a. We, we didn't have the uh, the hard rubbish collection. That, I don't know. Do we have hard rubbish collection in Mount Barker? You know, um, in Adelaide, we've got that. You get two a year. Uh, it's where you put all your junk out on the curb, and uh, the men come and take it away. Um, it's beautiful, really. Um, but in in Sejuna, we've got a rubbish tip, and it's not recyclables or green or whatever. It's just one big hole, and you put everything in it. Um, and so the rubbish truck will come and take your rubbish and dump it all together. And then I think they burn it once a year, which is, which is beautiful. Don't tell Greenpeace. Uh, <laughs> so so we, we'd, we'd accumulated a lot, of, a lot of garbage over the year, like big stuff, like just furniture we didn't need or, you know, that sort of stuff. And so my dad said, we're going to do a hard rubbish. Like we're taking the, the trailer to the tip full of all the junk. 
And so I'm like, okay, um, you know, I was like a 12-year-old boy and I jumped in the car with dad and we drove down to the tip and the guy there at the gate, you give him the money and he tells you where to reverse your trailer um, to the next pit that's about to be burnt, I guess. Um, and so we reverse up and we're in the middle of like just shoving everything off the trailer and into the pit. And um, I'm a little bit of a, I'm a, I'm a little bit nosy. So <laughs> I'm looking around and I'm just seeing things and I saw this duffel bag over there, it looked like a nice duffel bag, right? Like just a, a, a bag. It didn't look too dirty. Didn't have any um, uh, mouldy fruit on it or anything like that. So I thought, you know what? I'm going to have that duffel bag. I think that duffel bag's mine. So I walked over and I grabbed it and I picked it up. And it was heavy. Like it would have been like five, six, seven, eight kilos. So I picked it up and I'm like, oh man, what's in here? What have I scored in here? So we pulled it over. I showed dad and I said, dad, look at this. We put it on the back of the trailer and we opened it up and inside the bag was full of one and two cent coins. So they just, you know, in the years previous, you know, had taken those one and two cent coins out of circulation and someone obviously had been collecting them for a rainy day and heard the news that one and two cent coins uh, are being, you know, taken away and thought, oh, well, these are useless. So he's going to throw them away. You know, Money doesn't lose its value just because you don't value it. The money gets its value from the person that put the value in it. You know, we may feel like we have a self-worth. We may feel a low self-worth. We may feel like we've got a low self-esteem. We may feel like um, the world is out to get us. But the reality is greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. It's not about the value that you place on yourself. It's the value that the creator puts inside of you. Yeah, there are things that we go through and there's things that, that make us feel like we're less than. You know, Paul talks about his thorn in the side as he's writing to the church in Corinth. He's saying that he's got this thorn, he's got this thing in his flesh and he's saying that this thing is, is, is bringing me down, it's hurting me and it's, it's, it's not good for me. But God doesn't take that away. And, but Paul doesn't see it as a thing that diminishes his value. He doesn't see it as something that diminishes his ministry standing. It doesn't diminish the call of God because uh, he says that God says to him, and he says this to us, that my grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in your weakness. You see, your weakness isn't a weakness, it's a strength. Your weakness is an opportunity for God to show that he's strong. Your weakness, whatever it is, we all have one. We all have a different one. We all have an individual one. Whatever it is for you, we look at it and go, if only God would take this away. If only God would do this. If God would take away this way of thinking or this addiction or whatever it is. And yes, God wants to take you from glory to glory and he wants you to become more like Christ. But in the meantime, that weakness is an opportunity for God to show that he is strong. It's an opportunity to show his greatness and his strength in your life. You know, Moses had a stammer, but God used him to help the children of Israel flee Egypt. You know, Gideon, uh, he was, he was uh, full of self-loathing and he was the, the least of everything, but God used him to free a nation. Whatever it is that's in our lives that we think isn't good enough, whatever it is that's our hurt, that's our weakness, God says, give it to me. For when I am weak, when you are weak, I am strong. God wants to be strong in your weakness. What is your thorn? What is it for you today that says that I'm not good enough or this 
thing is the one thing that will cancel my ministry or cancel God's favour and blessing in my life. Give it to God today and let Him be strong in your weakness. Six things that we remain in that bear no fruit, hurts from the past, religion, low self-worth. Number four, pride. You see, it's pride that blinds us. You know, it won't happen to me. That's not something that will happen to me. You know, that's not something that's... That might have happened to them, but it won't happen to me. You know, we don't see things coming because we're blinded. Pride boasts in itself. It says, I'm great. I'm strong. There's nothing that can affect me. Humility says that he is my strong tower and my place of self, of refuge. Pride blinds, but humility says, I'll open my eyes because I know that God is with me. And if he is with me, who can be against me? Pride tells you that you know better. Pride stops you from hearing. And and listening is different to hearing. You know, in a marriage, if you're married, you know that I can listen to my wife, but I sometimes don't hear what she's trying to tell me. You know, sometimes I'm listening to my wife and I don't realise that she's just told me what she wants me to buy her for Christmas. Um, So I ask her to write that down in a letter and give it to me because uh, men aren't good with subtlety. And this is a transcript from a a conversation from a US naval ship with um, Canadian authorities off the coast of Newfoundland. And you might have heard this. The Americans say, please divert your course 15 degrees to the north to avoid a collision. The Canadians say, we recommend you divert your course 15 degrees to the south to avoid a collision. The Americans say, this is the captain of a US Navy ship. I say to you again, divert your course. The Canadians say, no, I say again, you divert your course. The Americans say, this is the aircraft carrier USS Lincoln, the second largest ship in the United States. We are accompanied by three destroyers, three cruisers and numerous support vessels. I demand that you change your course 15 degrees to the north. That's one five degrees north or countermeasures will be undertaken to ensure the safety of this ship. The Canadians say, this is a lighthouse. Your call. (laughs) Yeah, pride is the thing that gives us that inflated sense of ego and that sense of self. And we know that pride comes before a fall. Pride is that belief that I am enough, that I have enough, that I can do it. It's all about me and my strength and what I can do and what I can bring. When the reality says that I am nothing, I am weak, but it's not about my weakness, it's about his strength. That God is with me. It was pride that caused Satan to be cast down from heaven. It was pride that destroyed Saul. It was pride that tripped up David. James 4 verse 6 says, God opposes the proud, but shows favour to the humble. If I'm not seeing favour in my life, Obstacle after obstacle seem to be coming up against me. Maybe I need to look at, is there any areas of pride in my life? Do I need to humble myself before the presence of God? Do I need to show some humility? Six things that we remain in that bear no fruit. Hurts from the past, religion, low self-esteem, pride and sin. If the band could join me, that would be great. As we come to a close... Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1 and 2 says, Therefore, we are, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Run the race. Stay in your lane. Within the boundaries that God has set us within his word. 
You know, you think about a runner and, and, and the picture that it's creating is of that run inside of a stadium and that's where they'd run in, in those ancient um, Olympic times. They'd run in a coliseum. It's only recently that the marathon runners have started running through the countryside. But it would be in the Colosseum and you'd have your lane and, and, and the, the white line is the boundaries of your lane. You know, God gives us in, in the Word white lines that we can stay in, that we would run that race well and that we'd finish our race strong. Sometimes in life we go over the line, but God says it's time to come back into your lane. Solomon 2 says, the Song of Solomon, it says, it's the little foxes that spoil the vine. You know, one of the things that I'm not great at is, is um, eating and not spilling food on myself. Um, whenever, I, whenever I have something, I don't know what happens. I could be being as careful as I want, but all of a sudden a little bit ends up on my shirt. You know, that little stain that ends up on my shirt ruins that entire shirt. The rest of the shirt is perfect and clean and beautiful, but there's just a little stain that's there. And it just ruins the shirt and the shirt can't be used anymore. And God is telling us that we need to come back to repent from that hidden sin, from the thing that we do in private, the thing that, 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 that we think no one else knows about. The thing that says on a Sunday I'm fantastic, but at home maybe I'm not so nice. The thing, the hidden sin that leads towards death and destruction. You know, there's so many things in our life, but there's so much grace that's available. No matter what season you're in, no matter what it is that you're walking in, there is grace available for you. And 1 John 3 verse 5 says, You know that He, Jesus, was manifested to take away our sins and in Him there is no sin and whoever abides in Him, there is no sin. The best way to avoid sin is to remain in Him, is to remain in Him, to remain in Christ. Can we stand this morning all together? Now my last point is apathy. You can't remain in apathy. Hebrews 11, 6, 13. Having done all, stand. You know, one of the battles that we have in my house every morning with Amelia, she's um, just turned 10, is that she just wants to do everything else except get ready for school. You know, she wants to do everything else but put her shoes on and put her socks on and, you know, make her lunch. And I say to her, you can do all of that fun stuff, but first you've got to get this stuff done. You know, sometimes we have that in our lives, that apathy that says, you know, I'll put all that stuff off, but I'll just do this first. I'll look at entertainment. I'll look at encouragement. I'll look at all these things. But it says here, having done everything, having done all, stand. To stand, to gird your waist with truth, to put on the breastplate of righteousness, walk in the gospel of peace, use the shield of faith, the helmet of salvation, the sword of the Spirit, having done all, Stand. Stand. Six things that we can't remain in that bear no fruit. The one thing that you can remain in that will bear fruit in your life is Jesus. It's about walking in peace. It's about bringing revival to every area of our life. It's about bringing revival to your workplace. It's about bringing peace and joy and love to people that don't know it. 
It's about ministering to people in the supermarket. It's about just being you and allowing God to work through you in every area of your life. And all we need to do is remain in Him. It's to be holy and continuously connected. And sometimes we sort of flip between the two. I can imagine that in all six of those areas at some point in the last week I've probably, you know, been in. But it's about coming back. Whenever a car, my car goes in for a service, one of the big things that they do for me, especially if Sarah's been driving it a lot, is to give it a wheel alignment. Because, you know, you bang into things as she's driving. You know, she's parking, she comes in at 60 and just smash. No, she's, she's a good driver. But things happen over time and they just put that wheel alignment out, which means that it's harder to steer, that it uses more petrol, that the wear and tear is greater. And then we come in and the mechanic comes in and he services it and he brings those wheels right and you drive out of there and you think, wow, this is what it's like to drive straight and smooth. Sometimes in our life we need to come in and spend some time in the presence of God and say, what is it in my life, Father? What is it that I need to give over to you? It's a beautiful scripture in Psalm 139, verse 23. And this is David writing and he says, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you and lead me along the path of everlasting life. You know, today we're going to just go back into worship just for a few minutes. I just want to take a moment for the presence of God to come. And as you worship this morning, as Haley and Luke and the band leaders and Naomi, open your heart up to God and say, God, search my heart, O God. Is there anything that I'm remaining in that isn't of you? Is there anything that I'm remaining in that bears no fruit? Holy Spirit, I give it back to you. So Haley, won't you lead us this morning? What song are we doing? Beautiful Jesus at the center. Come on, church. Why don't we lift our hands across this place? Come on, Ben. Why don't you lead us?